0: Hello listeners, hello followers, welcome to Mentally Sound's Life in Lockdown podcast series. We're at episode 24, this is the first segment. My name is Ricky Thammon. Uh, if you're listening to us on, on Spice FM, that's 98.8 FM, welcome. And if you're listening to our social via our social media platforms, uh, we welcome you as well. Um, just a reminder on what those are. On Twitter, you'll find us at underscore Mentally Sound, all one word. On Facebook, it's Mentally Sound Radio Show, and on Instagram, it's Mentally Sound Radio, all one word. Uh, Quick disclaimer, uh, Mentally Sound is a mental health, mental well-being show, so we will be undoubtedly talking about such graphic issues regarding mental health. Um, Please don't be put off by this. Um, If you feel that you do need the help, don't hesitate to go out there and get it, because that's what the NHS and our clinics and GPs are there for. So yeah, awesome. Um thank you very much. This is, as I say, episode twenty-four, it's the first segment. Um just a few things there to um get out of the way. As this has been gonna be broadcast uh, a week after um we record this, um just some new some new follow ups. So um today the government announced that it's a three tier system. Uh, and I think in particular the northern areas, um, the northwest I think more heavily, but also the northeast and, and some parts of the Midlands. Uh, on a bit of a high alert, um, we know that the R and the infection rate has gone up, so um, yep, please be careful out there. Um, we understand that the one of the Nightingale hospitals, I think mean one was built up in Sunderland, is on, uh, put on alert. Um, in case they get an influx of patients. But yes, we do stress that if you're going out there, please take necessary cautious methods, um, as we have been throughout lockdown. So I say lockdown, uh, Mindly Sound, this is Life in Lockdown Podcasts. Um, this is a, a ra- originally a radio show. It still is a radio show, thanks to Spice FM broadcasting these podcasts. But um, yes, since March, we've been recording these podcasts for our listeners and giving out advice and tips to cope through all the various um, emotional challenges that we've faced throughout the past few sort of several months. Um, yes and recently we just um, last weekend we we uh, marked the occasion of uh, World Mental Health Day and I was very I mean I didn't get much notice of this but two days before Men- World Mental Health Day on the Saturday so going back on the Thursday I received word that one of our supporters um, Mental Health North Northeast was going to be featured on uh, the Northern Echo newspaper, and lo and behold, uh, it featured uh, quite a substantial piece on mentally sound, which it, which was great, and it featured a, an old picture of myself uh, wearing a purple t-shirt um, on my um, uh, recording debut, my co-hosting recording debut, going back five years ago. So it was nice to to open that uh, particular newspaper when I was out in Northumberland Street, and I, and I the newspaper um yeah it was a long long time since i saw that since i've did that um you know we all are sort of reading stuff online but yeah thank you very much northern echo it was a really great piece and uh mental health northeast yes uh, one of our main backers who helped conceive this original idea and talking of the color purple which was a shirt i'm wearing it happens to be the favorite color of uh, my colleague here our resident show therapist nikki robertson who's been a star throughout the beginning um and she joins me now hello nikki how are you
1: Good, good. How are you? I'm
0: um, not so bad. Bit of a bit of a groggy throat, but um, uh, yeah. It was a particularly sort of dreary day, and it's yeah, well, rainy, dreary day, and I always sort of you know get quite groggy when when the weather changes. But I, you know, I like this sort of weather, but obviously when I'm feeling a bit like this, then um, I I've it's a bit of a double whammy do i do i because my mental my mental health actually quite quite sound on days like this but i'm sort of feeling a bit of the physical side to it but yeah other than that not bad thank you very much Excellent. yes yeah, so um we're at episode 24 um this is a follow-on from uh, last week's uh show isn't it nikki um uh, so yeah. we're looking at particularly the gratitude aspect um this week so um, also looking at things like the resilience aspects, the optimism. And I think it quite chimes in chimes in quite nicely as what today is brought about, because obviously with tighter methods and and we're all kind of very kind of, you know, a bit scared and cautious about more restrictive um, methods that we have to endure, a possible another lockdown, winter's coming. Um, You've mentioned gratitude, but is it all right if I can just look at the other one or two of the other words like resilience is there? Is this, um Is it right if my first question to you is that um, as we steadfast, you know, fast towards winter, um, is our resilience going to sort of naturally be there and sort of turbocharged to try and get us through what looks to be a tough new period?
1: Yeah, that's a that's almost like a double-barrel question because, not, you know, first we have the element of winter itself, isn't mm. it? How it affects our mindset and it affects our moods. Mm. And some of us, we did a show on this a couple of sessions ago where we talked about SADS. So already yeah. as it is, you know, some people, particularly those who suffer from SADS, will mm. feel more challenged with this. Yeah. And it'll be a lot harder for them to... Change their mental space yep. or lift their mood so that they can manage mm-hmm. whatever that is going on in their um, external environment. You know some of the the restrictions, what's happening in the workspaces, what's happening globally, as well as internally for them, what's going on in their mental space.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: yeah, you know we we will need um, a lot more resilience for that to be able to navigate our way through that and just to be able to find pathways you know, um, particularly through those dark, gloomy days. So here we're talking about literally those dark, gloomy days and how it affects us. Mm -hmm. But with the new changes which are coming in, you know, furlough schemes ending at the end of the month, um, there's massive, massive talks about, you know, that's transitioning into um, retrenchment schemes. Um, So, yeah, a lot of resilience is required at this point in time.
0: Before I go on to gratitude, can I ask you for a quick reaction on what you might have heard today from sort of new restrictions? Uh, have you had time to sort of analyze any of the new? To
1: be honest, I have careened through the day. I yeah. <laughs> hardly had any time. I've had a very quick update. Yeah. Um, so I'm recording the show from home tonight, which I normally record from, from the wellness mm-hmm. hub. Um, um, clearly because I've been there from eight o'clock this morning, and I needed a break. I needed but
0: I'll break. make a I'll make a quick comment because I, I was listening to one of the national radio stations. Um, in in the day when, I mean, we all knew that this day was coming. Um, you yeah. know there was, and this is my issue with government leaks because, you know, I mentioned I was out in town, um, on the Saturday, and when I when I bought the newspaper, you know, um, yes, I'll hold my hands up. I wanted to see my picture in the paper, but there, you go. <laughs> but um. No, I, I, I almost felt because I saw horrendous amounts of queues outside, particularly you know restaurants and bars, and and this is the thing, isn't it? We we, we talked before about um, mixed messages and all that because of this government leak and this sort of you know the day, the Monday is coming and new announcement that people saw it as a, an opportunity to have one last hurrah to get out there and sort of you know have a bit of a a wild time with friends. I mean. I'll not name the particular establishments, but as as I I was coming home, um, one of the new sort of establishments where you know, these sort of pop-up places. I mean, there was a, you know, queue that just went round the block, and they weren't all from the same households. They were all huddled together, and uh, there was no social distancing. Only very few of them were wearing face coverings, and I just feel that... uh, I just got really kind of despaired about it all, and, you know, you, you kind of think, well, it's no wonder where we are right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's hard to be um, optimistic or hold hope, isn't it? Um, When you hear the government um, enforcing lockdowns, but then you don't see it Mm. happening. So, you know, let's take it back to childhood. You know, if a child has mixed messages like that, it really creates a very unsafe environment. Mm. And often children will play out to that. Um, And they won't feel secure within themselves, or secure with the people who are their carers, Mm. because of the mixed messaging. Mm. Um, And, you know, for most of us, it's the mixed messagings are affecting, or the impact of the mixed messaging and people's behavior because of the mixed messaging. It's affecting people's livelihoods. Yeah. And not only is it affecting people's livelihoods, it's affecting people's mental health. And that is just escalating. Mm -hmm. And I know we've said it before, but it is something that's not been widely spoken about. And those facts and those figures aren't really being discussed. We Mm -hmm. are seeing the um, infection rates and we're seeing death rate. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: We're not seeing the impact of 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 what this is doing to people's mental health,
0: yeah.
1: um, and I think messages. You know, we need those boundaries. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and um, one last point on that. So, as you rightly say, there's there's as we as we've talked about before, endlessly there's a spike in referrals, and I think a local BBC political program that was broadcasted yesterday featured an interview with the local mind charity officers, and um, they they've said what we've said that. Um, Yes, they've had to go out there and, and attend to more people, but unfortunately, they've also had to do it with less and less stuff because they've had to, you know, lay lay people off. So it's, it's,
1: it's. And this it's, is what we spoke about last week yeah. is that we, um, there's a massive gap right mm. in the middle because the need for, um, for the services that is going to escalate you know yeah. we've, we've spoken about it before the tsunami effect mm-hmm. you know all the practitioners or the therapists you know who focus on mental well-being emotional well-being they have all been preparing themselves for this emotional um, no sorry this uh, mental health and um, tsunami
2: mm-hmm.
1: yet the resources have been cut <laughs> yeah. yeah um And that there's a just huge big gaping hole in the middle. Mm
0: -hmm. So, and what I keep I keep saying this is the last point, but sometimes I feel that it needs to be said. I know. Um, (laughs) So as as one of the announcements today is um, that there's going to be more say from devolved um, uh, powers throughout the country. So local councils, local authorities are going to have more say, which on the one hand is a good thing but what i worry is as i as i found as i witnessed and saw throughout austerity measures okay. was that there's going to be this tennis match of blame um so the government will say well you you've been allocated this amount of money so it's up to you how you distribute it but the but the local authorities will and say well you've only given this this much so there's not enough to go around we need more and then it becomes a sort of a you know a table tennis game of just blame and it just becomes tiresome because you've seen it happen before and i just well i think it's very likely that we're going to see the sort of same you know we talked about pattern of behavior
1: they have the battle but they don't focus on actually sorting out the problems isn't it because they're so busy focusing on on the battle their time and energy and resources are going into the battle Mm -hmm. which that's not really the focus but yeah
0: so let's make the leap giant leap towards gratitude um Mm -hmm. yes we're going to talk one of my favorite topics actually so from your from your sort of uh therapeutic, um therapeutic sort of um corner, how would you define gratitude and uh how is it useful at, at a time like this
1: right so at a time like this um the most important thing that we can um hold on to when we look at gratitude so we talk about the attitude of gratitude is that Regardless of the situation we're in or the regardless of what we're seeing out there in the world,
2: mm-hmm. it's
1: when we take our mind away from that and we start turning it inwards and start focusing on, even if it's just one positive thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So the mind has this negative propensity. It will always be searching Mm -hmm. for the negative in a situation. So Mm -hmm. it tends to have this 80% negative bias. So 80% of our thinking will Mm -hmm. come from this negative place. So that's the norm. We're constantly in that searching mode. The mind is constantly reflexing into that mode. Mm -hmm. And if we can reroute the mind and say, right, just in this moment, and this is where i Blend the technique and I bring in the mindfulness. In this moment, yes, I know that my future is so uncertain. And I'm so worried and I'm so anxious. And, you know, it's this person's not well and this person's losing their job or whatever the situation is. Mm-hmm. Or I'm thinking of the past, the last six months, they've been so difficult. They've been this, you know, I've been struggling to keep my business afloat or mm-hmm. been struggling to keep my relationships going, whatever the situation is.
3: Mm-hmm. But in
1: this moment, in this moment, I'm going to just light that little internal candle for myself and find one, two, or maybe three positive things. Mm -hmm. And what we can do is we can draw from a memory from the past, like a really positive childhood memory. Mm -hmm. We can focus on something that is good right now. Mm right? So this is one thing we always did um, throughout the lockdown. Yeah. Every time we sat down and we ate, we always like, oh my goodness, how lucky are we? We, you know, because you're looking yeah. at what's going on in the world. Yeah. How lucky are we? We have home we have food on the table we have healthy food on the table and we can put food on the table every night you know it's just those little things we forget to focus on the little things we have the family you know in in our family there's just the four of us and you focus on the fact that actually you're all together the circumstance of why you're together may not be the pleasant part right because Mm -hmm. of the lockdown Mm -hmm. So of course, if the mind if it focuses on that, then the thoughts and the emotions and the mental clutter start to rise. But if we can just focus on that, yeah. or we can think about the future, you know, something a little bit more optimistic for the future. Just hold, you know, a, a feeling of hope for something to shift in the future. Yeah,
0: you know what I mean. I gratitude it means a lot to me, and I mean it from a very kind of generic um, point of view, where it can actually put it could potentially be for me, um, it can put the biggest spring in my step for the day and I mean it very sort of in very simplistic terms. So if I was on a if I was on a making a transaction, either like stepping on public transport or, you know, someone at a shop, for them me to say, Thank you very much, um, to me it's just like even though it's the most simplest thing, I can walk out of that establishment and just think, Wow, great, and I don't know if it's because it's it's kind of feels a bit rare these days because you don't hear it as much. Um, maybe you just as you grow older and wiser, you you, you tend to appreciate the most sort of.
1: the simple things in life isn't it you know when we when we're young you know we have this very idealistic vision of what the world's going to be and what it's going to hold for us and who we are going to be in the world but as we grow older we just start to appreciate the Mm. mere fact that we're just experiencing these moments Mm. so i just want to go into some research um but gratitude. So there's been loads and loads of research. Um, and one of the things I do is um, the last Thursday of every month, we do a meta practice in our mindfulness class. And a meta is where we practice loving kindness mm-hmm. to ourselves and to others. And this is where we, we send out good thoughts and good practices to others. So some of the, um, some of the research, so there was a Dr. Robert Emanus and Dr. Michael Mc, Mc, uh, I can never say it McCluch. <laughs> McCulloch. <laughs> oh, there's me. Um I'm and sure they did a enough. ten yeah, McCul yeah. McCullough. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness, I'll never say it. Um they did a ten week project and they had they split their groups up into three groups of people. And the first group, every week they had to write down something that they were grateful for that happened in that week. Mm -hmm. The second group, they had to write down something that irritated them. And the third week, the third group just had to write out about an event. So they weren't um, scuttled into whether it's a positive event or a negative event. Anyway, by the end of the 10 week Mm -hmm. program, they looked at the results Mm -hmm. and it showed that the group that was focusing on the gratitude yeah their optimism the how they felt about life that increased dramatically they exercised more which is fantastic because we need that for our well-being but it was also noted that they had lower visits to doctors and their health improved okay isn't that amazing and they they're not the only Um, doctors who found those results and isn't that amazing because gratitude firstly it changes the chemistry in the body
2: Mm.
1: but it really opens us up you know we were talking about optimism and resilience Mm. for me it's the bridging ground you know resilience is such a huge thing and don't we all need like a huge dash of optimism on our cereal in the morning you know particularly at this time but gratitude is the bridge right in the middle Mm. if we can just practice this gratitude or just be thankful for the people we have or the things which happen you know the little interactions that happen every day oh yeah Yeah. amazing you know even in in the workforce um leaders who are you know who practice gratitude who tell their teams Mm. that they're grateful for, you know, the jobs that they've done, it, it actually can show us, in some cases, a 50% improvement mm. in um, their productivity yeah. and their willingness to do some extra work. So it, it really does change people's mindsets.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, you're talking about before the things that you feel really fortunate about. I mean, you know, you, know, you have these sort of shows and you kind of feel sorry for them, where people, you know, things like Nightmare Neighbours and stuff, you know, I, I can't imagine anything worse than to be living amongst people that you just don't get along with because, you know, going out there, getting from A to B, if you happen to bump into uh, one of your nice neighbours and you wish you wish them goodwill and, again, another s- spring in my step. But for me, because of my anxiety, sometimes um, <laughs> it's a double-edged sword for me in a way because my mindset it, t- to to help prevent me getting a an anxiety talk or anything like that it's just to get from me to being all one piece and I, I I try and do as less communication as problem not not in a very nasty way it's just because i've got this sort of almost tunnel vision mindset just let me get to my base then I can relax and i can and then when i when I come home and I happen to bump into any of them, I can stand there all day and be the most gregarious person and just talk for hours you know it's just one of those um one of those things. Nikki, when when I was um thinking about these topics in the office before, something came to mind. Um, when you look at sort of optimism and hope, which is, you know, two, two of the words we mentioned before, it it, it led it, I drew this spider diagram and um, I, I ended up writing the word denial. And the reason I, wo- I wrote down denial is because, and I hope you sort of understand where I'm coming from this, is that listening to an earlier radio show, again, they, they were kind of like replaying words and messages and what you know politicians and other people said early in the year that you know they would say things like this they were saying things like oh don't worry um the pandem- pandemic will be over by the summer the hot weather uh, we'll get through the other side of this in no time and i just wonder if that in itself is a a, a pattern of behavior where when we're when we're faced with fear on an uncertain future we feel it natural upon ourselves to um give out messages of hope that even though we don't know really what it entails that we 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 can get through this even though we're not because as, as we know now sadly you know it's not great news the virus is out of control we're living in a part of the the country where you know infection has risen and so forth and so forth so is it okay at times I guess what I'm asking is that it's not a sense giving it a false message but we 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 just want to express hope that there's hope on the other side. You see what I mean? Here? So,
1: you know, just like the, the mind has this negative bias, it also has an optimist bias.
0: Right. Okay,
2: yeah.
1: So we don't naturally,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, let's say we, we want to, um, you know, set out a goal for ourselves. We don't see ourselves naturally failing that. Yeah. so naturally the mind will be optimistic that we will succeed at something Mm. so it's part of our survival instinct yeah yeah, yeah.
2: Um,
1: and particularly when something is threatening our survival like the virus is
2: Mm. it's
1: our natural reaction to want to survive the event so the optimistic outlook Mm will come in so that we can find pathways so when we engage that optimistic outlook mm. the mind then starts searching for mm. avenues and pathways yeah. to start using to ensure the survival
0: mm. and especially when we have children because
1: absolutely we
0: want to present them that there's we're yeah. going to get through
2: the other I'm going
1: to just say that not everyone will go into an optimistic outlook yeah. because um It's important to also note that some people are just not able to because of, um, you know, where they are mentally in their lives at this point in Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. But generally, a person who is in a healthy environment and is feeling quite healthy, they will tend to do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm yes, glad that you know, I'm glad
0: that made sense because I was like thinking about that and uh, hoping yeah. that you would you would sort of get yeah. that point.
1: So. I mean, if you think about it, you know, like if you think about, um, uh, you know, going back to school, you know, those races, you know, sports day, mm. you didn't think that you weren't going to win the race. You just yeah. thought you were going to win the race.
0: Because it's like know? when people say, "Oh no, don't worry, it'll be over by then. You'll be get back to doing what you were. We'll we be back to normal." See, part of me is thinking, "Well, how do you know? Are you just saying that?" But another part of me is saying, "Well," Thank you for, for giving me that hope. It, it's something that I can latch on to and other people and spread the word and that kind of thing, you know. But in reality, we, we as we know, this is really unprecedented times and we just Absolutely. We don't know. So, Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Interestingly, um, some information about me is that... Um, so Ruth, who we had on the show last week and who we've had um, earlier on in the show as well. Wow. So Ruth is an emotional inter- intelligence coach and I've had my insights done with her. Yeah, And um, my optimism level is mm. off the chart. It's my highest. Oh, really? So I've had, yeah, I've had a, a regular... Um, uh, it's a, it's a survey done and it gives you your insights yeah. and I, I do it once a year just to see where i'm at and my optimism is always like almost off the chart compared to all my right. others okay. which is just my natural state but it's also made me aware that that is my natural state and sometimes i need to just draw it back a little bit because i know that i'm hugely optimistic and i'm always you know someone said to me you're not a glass half full person yeah, yeah. you know you're a full glass type of person all the time
2: yeah
1: so sometimes it means that i can have a slightly unrealistic perspective right. so i need to just you know you have to take a step back and go right
2: yeah you know
1: what is the perspective here
2: mm-hmm.
1: so um being optimistic is not a negative thing i don't want to make people think of it. it's a negative no, no, thing no, no no but um it is important to make sure that you can still really be able to um, as I say, get real in a mm. situation.
0: Next time Ruth joins us, I, I want to ask her what's someone with anxiety what's their optimism levels. I'll be really curious to know. Oh, can... uh, I think
1: it, it it would have to probably be the questionnaire. To be fair, I mean okay. it's about a 70 oh, I'd question. love
0: to. I'd love to but take part. In I'll put you there. in
1: touch with Ruth, and yeah. you can definitely ask That's her.
0: Awesome. So we've got we've got a few minutes left, and um, hmm. can we let's focus on change For, regarding from. Going back from what we've talked about, where does change come into this, and is change ultimately the kind of the power drive that drives the the you know the the resilience, the optimism, the wantingness to change, or is there something else going on there?
1: Um, I, for me, I think the um, the gratitude, the optimism, the resilience enables us to make the changes. Okay. That is my perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, change is a constant.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's always change. Yeah. There's always something that's changing within our environment. Mm-hmm. And if we take the time to go and visit our internal environment, we will see that things are constantly changing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So even your level of happiness in this moment yeah. can change yeah. to the moment by moment.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, that is the constant. It's the resilience, it's the optimism, it's the gratitude. Those, like for me, the, the gratitude's the middle, it's the bridging between the two. Mm-hmm. That enables us to adapt to the changes. Mm-hmm. Because let's say you don't have a lot of optimism, you're mm-hmm. not feeling very grateful, you're in a very negative mindset, mm-hmm. um, you're completely down, you want to give up hope. Mm-hmm. How do you then adapt to the next changing moment? Mm-hmm whether it's your emotions changing or whether it's the environment changing something in the environment that's changing.
0: I've always admired um, people who've kind of went through the process of change for the better, where, you know, someone who wasn't in a very good place was able to have the humility to Mm recognise that they weren't in that good place and then therefore go forward and change and come out the better. I I always often find those people... uh, Amongst the most inspirational people I've um, you know come across, Absolutely. and it reminds me of the discussion we had before with Ray, um, Nikki, because yeah. I liked what he said regarding change, and he also paralleled it with 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 the word like grow, uh-huh. and then I I kind of put my flick my two my tuppence in there with with the element of regret because, yet for me it's like if you don't change, and then however down the line you look back and you think hmm. I should have done something there, so regret is something quite big in my life, and that, yeah, and that probably drives some of my change yeah
1: yeah change is absolutely necessary, but remember with all of these you know whether it's change, whether it's resilience optimism hope, you know mm-hmm. um, holding that um, internal flame of hope um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: practicing gratitude for every moment rather than sitting there and begrudging you know what life's dealt out to you. Mm-hmm there's determination and discipline that comes with that. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't really um, calculate. Mm-hmm. And I always think about um, a sportsman, you know, if anyone's like, you know, obviously we recognize how important um, resilience training is for sportsmen, but the determination and the discipline is absolutely essential. And often when we're trying to make changes or we're facing into changes, mm-hmm. We forget to apply the discipline that's required to make those changes or to take those steps so that we can navigate through those changes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, we expect instant results. Um, you know, things need to be ha- happening quickly and they don't. Yeah. You know, sometimes there's a little bit of a journey and, you know, going back to, we were saying, you know, I think even for you and I, when we spoke about this early in March, it was just going to be a couple of weeks, you know, um, and look at this journey. It's taken so long. Um, And, you know, as we navigate through this journey, we've all had to engage Mm. for ourselves a lot of determination. You know, sometimes Mm. some people have had to just really draw on that determination just to get out of bed in the mornings, just to face the day. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, Great. Well, that's a really, really great point to end on. Change. We'll, we'll kind of leave it there. Full stop or exclamation mark. Um,
1: cool. To be continued.
0: Yeah. Um, awesome. So this is uh, we're reaching the end of the first segment. Um, actually, Nikki and I are about to record a podcast with some guests previously. The Call of Nature. Um, you would have heard that on the previous podcast. So, and when that comes out, we'll retweet this. We'll retweet that particular podcast. Um, on our social media so you can listen to that as well so so uh, yes Nikki and I are going to be uh, guests on on another show which is going to be I think a first for us so brilliant yep. so thank you very much listeners uh, this is the end of the first segment of episode 24 Um stay tuned in a few seconds time you'll have listened to the second segment so excellent thanks once again Nikki we'll chat to you next time you're
1: very welcome chat okay. soon
0: bye 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 Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Mentally Sound's Life in Lockdown podcast series. We're at the second segment of episode 24. Thanks as ever to therapist Nikki for the first um, segment talking about resilience. I think it's really important at this particular time in lockdown as we head towards winter and Christmas. Um, Let's see what happens. And then, uh, yeah, um, I believe that Nikki will be back in a month's time and not along with another colleague. So we'll look forward to that. So here we are, the second segment. I've got another special guest and it's a friend of the show he's been on before. It's Dr. Stuart McCurdy. I believe he was on last about a year and a half
3: back, something like that. Is that right, Stuart? Do you remember? Yeah, something, I think it was March
0: last year I was on. Uh, time does fly. It does, yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. What, what, it, what a hell of a time it's in between, you know. That's why we kind of brought you back on to sort of uh, oh. give an insight into your specialised area. So, so, um, Dr Stewart, he's a consultant in old age psychiatry at the Campus for Aging, which is uh, based in the West, West End. I think it's just like a stone's throw from um, the Beacon Studio. Is that right? Just sort of across the road? From yeah, really it's general. literally across the road. Yeah. 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 Um, I understand. So it, it was a Northumberland Trust, a tiny way foundation trust. But you've incorporated Cumbria in that now, is that right? Is it Cumbria?
3: Yeah, yes. So um, it, the, the trust I work for now is called CNTW, That's so right. Cumbria, Northumberland, oh, yeah. Wear.
0: Yeah, and that just happened recently, the incorporation, am I right? Is it sort of
3: yeah, it was rel- rel- relatively recently. Um, so um, yeah, we're, we've made friends with lots of new people in Cumbria and, and getting along fine. It's... Uh, yeah, yeah, it's.
0: Is that is that a, is that an advantage to improve the sort of catchment area? Are you sort of doing more liaison and more sort of, um, you know, with colleagues from over in that part of the the region?
3: Well, well I suppose the advantage is, um, yeah, there's you know there's a bigger pool of colleagues, and mm. um, it's you know NTW before it merged with Cumbria is you know it's one of the biggest mental health trusts in the country, right? Uh, and so. Uh, I think it was just a way of kind of sharing, kind of experience and expertise, and and obviously we've got a lot of very experienced colleagues in Cumbria. So to have everyone working together, I think, has been seen as an right, advantage. Okay. I think
0: I didn't know that about Cumbria, about having the largest mental health trust. But that's, um, that's
3: uh... well, no, no, sorry, NTW, NTW, right? So well, well, one of one of the larger mental health trusts. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, excellent. Geographically speaking, brilliant
0: so glad that we've uh, got you on um dr stewart um i know that what we're going to talk about um particularly in the year that we've had i, I know that you've got plenty to, to say on that um given your specialized area but first of all um uh, how how are you doing overall and um you know as it is a mental health uh, you know themed show how how have you been yeah
3: yeah i mean uh i i've been fine it's um it's obviously been uh very Odd time since yeah. sort of February March time. Um, you know, you you, you might be, or oh, I, I might be fine one day and feel a bit wobbly the next. And I think that's kind of everyone's experience. Really, is that it's it's really difficult to know on a week to week, day to day basis, kind of how things are going to stand. So I think um, mm. I don't think I've been much different compared to most people in the country, to be honest. To just be feeling at times a little bit unsettled by it all mm. but um but gen- generally uh okay yeah. yeah um just trying to
0: so uh, with, within your within your sort of profession then and um you know I, I know one of your specialized areas is is sort of largely you know dealing with dementia um and, and particularly early in lockdown um when you saw the sort of tsunami the whole deluge of what, what we are hearing from care homes and such like um what was your kind of what sort of transformations were you kind of having within your profession amongst colleagues specifically in the west end as well um i imagine the whole kind of ppe thing and and i know that with dementia patients as well the issue about them you know patients seeing their families and such um i imagine it just came like a <laughs> to you like a turn of bricks in a way what was it what was it like
3: yeah i mean it, it... Certainly the initial um few weeks it, it was very difficult and I think I, I suppose what was what was good was mm-hmm. that quite early on um during the pandemic um we were able to get together with different organizations to actually think especially with regard to care homes
2: yeah.
3: um how best can we help care homes so yeah. um there was a project quite early on into lockdown um, where um, CNTW, the Acute Trust, uh, you know, the, the one that covers like the RVI and the Freeman, mm-hmm. um, Newcastle Social Services, Newcastle and of Social Services
2: yeah.
3: um, and lots of other voluntary organisations, we all kind of got together actually via Zoom <laughs> right. um, to, to talk about the problems and to say, well, how best can we support care homes and and the thing is there's obviously a lot of problems that we couldn't take away there's some problems we couldn't do anything about but I think um you know the the work to help support care homes in Newcastle is kind of ongoing um Mm. and uh the organization that I work for is kind of involved in that in trying to support care homes as best we can Mm -hmm. but I mean it is very difficult and very challenging and I, I think one of the main challenges is during lockdown is that obviously, you know, we haven't been able to see people and visit mm-hmm. people and that's mm-hmm. incredibly difficult. And mm-hmm. as a, you know, as a doctor, um, you, it's an obvious thing to say, but you can you do rely on someone kind of sitting in front of you and especially mm-hmm. when you're, uh, when you're, my specialty is mental health. So I, I'm a trained medical doctor, but I've chosen to specialize in mental health and then, mm-hmm. uh, specialize again in mental health for older people mm-hmm. so not just dementia but for things like depression and psychosis yeah. and things like that as well mm-hmm. um and part of the assessment a large bit of the assessment is you know getting to know someone a little bit and uh, mm-hmm. and it's very difficult to do that unless yeah. you're sitting in front of them yeah it's not impossible but it's obviously more difficult to do yeah so that's been a big challenge i think for not just doctors but for nurses and occupational therapists and physiotherapists and psychologists and all, all the people that I work with and um, that has been a challenge sure. but we have tried to kind of get around it as best we can mm. and and that's the thing where you, you've just got to try and do your best in this situation I think yeah. to try and best support your patients.
0: So going back to one of the earlier points that you made um, you know getting together with, with um, other organisations so was it a case of under the under the circumstances, you you guys were kind of like pooling as many resources as possible to help sort of tackle.
2: The well, yeah,
3: it, it was it was as much it was it was kind of it was a bit of like information sharing yeah. be, because I think during uh, a crisis like that, mm-hmm. what you don't want to do is everybody try and do the same thing so that that all like different work is being repeated. If you, you know what I mean, yeah. so it was just a little bit of kind of pooling of information and, and and saying, right, well, and also just kind of sharing ideas, I think, as well, which was very, very helpful to speak to people, mm. you know, like um, uh, geriatricians, you know, like uh, medical doctors that look after older people's physical health
2: yeah.
3: um, and people from um, social services and, and just to see what everyone else is doing to try and help older people in Newcastle. Yeah. So not just the West End, but the West End was included in that, but, yeah. but all of Newcastle. Yeah. um and you know just incredibly uh helpful and everyone was quite just open and quite up for kind of
1: mm. sharing
3: and helping one another which i think uh that i think helped me a little bit in my job because it kind of it makes you think well actually when there is a crisis everyone kind of clubs together a little bit yeah. and it's uh so and that was quite early on in the pandemic and i think um since then we've you know so during the time when everyone you know we we were under a a nationwide lockdown Mm
2: -hmm.
3: um we were trying our best in the team that i work with so Mm -hmm. so uh to support people as best we can at home in their mental health um so so i work in a team uh called the community treatment team Mm -hmm. so that helps um sort of assess people but also manage people and so we had a lot of people we were already looking after, um, and then we were, or, and then we were trying to respond to urgent cases that couldn't wait. So at, during lockdown, um, it was difficult to respond to cases that maybe could wait a little bit, and until yeah. lockdown had been eased a bit. But there are obviously people that couldn't wait for for lockdown to kind of lift or reduce before we we tried to. Yeah. Assess them. Yeah. So it was trying to get a balance really of, um, of that. And again, trying to do that kind of a little bit at a distance because we were trying to, during the nationwide lockdown, we were trying to kind of avoid seeing people face to face unless we absolutely had to because yeah. obviously the older people that we're looking after, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're a vulnerable group. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were trying to kind of uh, be sensible about when mm. we were seeing them and uh and and then supporting them in other ways like over the phone mm. um, you know when it wasn't possible to see them or we didn't yeah. think or we thought seeing them face to face could wait a little bit right um
0: so it's a case of like judging each case on its own merit who needed
2: Yeah yeah yeah.
3: yeah yeah it's a case you know like of all the people we were looking after it's literally going through Mm. Um, all the people we're looking after and kind of having a chat with them over the phone and seeing how they're doing and and things so you know it's quite a lengthy process but I think Mm. it was one that was incredibly important to do because Mm. you know we have a duty of care to them to make sure they're okay and I mean you know we we did not do it on our own That there was uh, people's mental health are maintained by yeah. Uh, you know, we're just a little bit, the, the the main people that were kind of maintaining our patients' mental health were the people that were living with them, quite frankly, and the, the carers that were still going in to see them mm. in very difficult circumstances, you know, circumstances that at the time we didn't really know what we were dealing with at times or it was changing, but mm. what we knew, so, um, you know, people's carers, you know, husbands, wives, daughters sons you know and and also professional carers as well were incredibly important at keeping people's mental health as maintained as possible and so you know we we, we were trying to help but I mean the the, they were instrumental really in in maintaining people
0: I'm also curious as to the kind of um, feedback that you might have been getting from those particular older patients who might have been saying things like, well I understand the gravity of the whole situation so I'm prepared to for now you know allocate you know just some time on the phone or through zoom or whatever rather than having to see me face to face so were you getting a lot of um, that kind of feedback in terms of people you know a lot of compromises was being made is, is what I'm asking
3: I think yeah I think and and um, people were incredibly understanding and accommodating yeah um and again it's that kind of um i don't know if it's the right thing to say but the kind of wartime spirit about kind of just everyone kind of pulling together a little bit and uh and i think certainly early on in the lockdown there was a kind of sense of like camaraderie and it was a bit of a novelty and -hmm. and all that so um yeah we, we 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 got a lot of understanding from a lot of patients Excellent. um mm-hmm. and and their families mm-hmm. um and i think you know as time has gone on and and you know when we get into the summer and now i yeah. think things are you know things are not back to normal you know mm-hmm. we we are still in the middle of anti- of a pandemic yeah. but um we are um we're seeing a lot more people face to face um we are and when we're doing that, we're in the full get up, you know, we're in the full PPE, so we've got a mask, gloves, and apron on and things like yeah. that. So, um, and so we we have gone back to seeing people in their own homes, but also, mm-hmm. but we, we tend to give people the option, to be honest. If yeah. um, if people would prefer to come and see us up in um, the campus raging vitality, yeah. then we'll accommodate that. We have had to kind of, you know, make sure our processes are covid secure so
2: um
3: it's not like coming to a clinic appointment before covid visit there's a few more steps involved and we've got to make sure that the area is Mm -hmm. covid secure but uh, it it does it does feel that we're kind of um able to assess people more face to face which is nice it's uh, you know i I did miss seeing patients (laughs) during the initial stages of lockdown. Well, it, you build it, a
0: relationship and rapport with them, don't you? And that must have been oh, quite course, heartbreaking for you to not have that. And that's,
3: that's part of the reason that I do the job I do is because I like, you know, me- mental health, there is a lot of talking, <laughs> as yeah. you'd imagine. Yeah. Um, and I like talking to patients oh, yeah. or to people. Uh, yeah. And uh, it's it's a big, it, it's a, you know, it's the main bit of my job. Sure. And I did miss that. Yeah.
0: Um, you mentioned PPE there, and we knew of the kind of trouble, you know, what, what that was like in the beginning. It was very troubling that uh, you heard that there was, a, there was a big shortage. What were you guys like? Were you well-equipped, or did, did you have to sort of, you know, order some extra or anything like that? Or anything?
3: Well, no, I think I think that the benefit of um, working for a big organisation yeah like cntw is that mm. you know they're very well set up to respond to
2: right.
3: stuff like this yeah. so um and, and i know that you know there have been sort of care homes and and mm-hmm. care agencies and stuff that unfortunately haven't had access to ppe earlier mm-hmm. dur- during the lockdown but yeah. you know I, I there wasn't that's the the advantage of working for a big organization like that is that they, they are kind of set up to respond to an emergency like a, a national pandemic like it's that it's so it's a, i mean I, i'm not to say that it was you know um easy it a lot of work went mm-hmm. in uh from cntw to make sure that their staff and their patients were protected and yeah. uh looked after but um yeah i, I just Count myself lucky to be kind of working for an organization that can respond by that so that was it was positive in
0: that respect yeah how's the relationship with the the families of of the people you tend to um was there more interaction with them example i imagine for them um obviously they're worried for their for their for their relative um were you having to do more reassuring reassuring to them that um you know that that you are doing your best under the circumstances yeah
2: Yeah.
3: well i think we I think um, even before COVID, yeah. um, we uh, the nature of um, assessing people with memory problems, mm-hmm. um, but also other other um, mental health problems means that you do have to speak to family members mm-hmm. and, and you know sometimes or more often than not with the patient's permission, with yeah. the person's permission, obviously, yeah. um, but. You know, if, if if someone is coming to see me who's got a problem with their memory, say, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we always do ask um, that if the person does have a family member yeah. that knows them well or that they live with, um, yeah. that they come along with their family member because part yeah. of uh, assessing and asking questions about that person's memory mm-hmm. is also asking the family member or the, the, the person that knows them very well um, because it's so important to find out how they feel about it, and yeah. and and the information they've got is is valuable as well. So, sure, in uh, where I work, we are very kind of used to speaking to family members and and stuff like that. So, sure. although uh, you know, so I I wouldn't say that significantly changed okay. during the pandemic because mm-hmm. we're kind of
0: we were set up to do that anyway, and we're we're quite used to doing that. Sure, and. Um, um, I wonder what your thoughts on um, Dr. Stewart regarding the sort of future as we head towards the winter and, you know, whenever we've had, you know, pre-COVID, as as you're well aware, the sort of the typical issues that, you know, in, in terms of the old, older older people regarding things like loneliness and regarding things like uh, isolation, are we at risk of that, you know, bearing in mind, you know, the possibility of another, you know, national lockdown, you know, the, the rumours banding about regarding that? um yeah, yeah. what what's that going to be like do you think in your circumstances is it are you going to have to stretch yourselves even further or are you going to have a repeat of what happened early in the year
3: i think i mean you know it's it's going to be difficult we know it's going to be difficult and mm-hmm. i think um, certainly my experiences working with older people is during the winter months that can get worse because yeah. people you know it you know what what time is it now it's like half 7 it's still it's pitch black outside people don't really yeah. want to go outside in the dark and, and things yeah. like that so i think winter is more difficult i think we've had a lot of help from uh like befriending services um mm-hmm. that work across newcastle
1: mm-hmm. and
3: we've had help from um like the the NHS volunteer service as well. Um, They've got a sort of check-in and chat service that um, acts as a befriending service. Mm -hmm. Um, We're working with social services all the time to make sure that our older people aren't kind of isolated or are are less isolated than they could be. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, there's other great organisations in in Newcastle like Chain Chain Reaction Mm -hmm. um, and there's there's another place called The Grange who are doing outreach. So Mm -hmm. there used to be like a day service for older people, but they're doing outreach to older people in Newcastle. Yeah. Um, You know, like doing their shopping or helping Mm. them with shopping, helping them with bits of housework, helping them get to appointments and stuff like that. Yeah, we've chatted to
0: some of the mutual aid groups situated in the West End that do mutual aid. Yeah, they've been pretty awesome.
3: And, And I think, you know, we are up for... Working with them, and we and we do work with them. And I think, and yeah. um, the main thing is that we're we're kind of all, you know, we've all got the same goal, um, yeah. which is to try and help all the people the best we can. Yeah. And I think um, that that's the great thing about working in this specialty is that um, there is no argy bargy, or or mm. kind of everyone has a common goal, which is to try and kind of help. Yeah. Um, and that's a that's a lovely thing to work in. It's not always easy <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: and it's not likely to be easy in the next few months. But I mean, all, all we can do is do
0: our best by sure. the population we're trying to help. Sure. Well, Dr. Stewart's been brilliant talking to you and um, we're, we're reaching the end of uh, this particular segment in this podcast. Um, just a final word on any listeners out there who feel themselves or, or relative kind of needs that help of all the services within the NHS particularly the west end your advice is to firstly try and get the uh, referral via gp and then they could be forwarded on to yourself yeah?
3: yeah i think i think this the service that i that i work in at the moment um, people can't refer to directly yeah. so the the way so if you if you're uh, watching or listening to this and you've got a, a concern about your memory or you are getting more anxious or you feel that you're depressed or low in mood and you want some help with that, then um, I would say that the way to get the help is to have a chat with your GP. Mm-hmm. They may be able to, you know, in a lot of problems with people's mental health, it are dealt with by GPs and yeah. they never reach me. Yeah. Um, but if the GP uh, wants help in managing that they they can drop us a line and we can get okay. in touch with you but so yeah if you if you want some help with your mental health the first port of call would be to speak to gp
0: yeah and yeah i mean that's something that we are we're forever saying on this show and rightly so and yeah as we always say as a disclaimer um for people who are, who are listening um who feel that even if we're talking about things that could be a trigger if they're having some issues anyway is to always Go and say their GP a first support, of course. So, thank you, Doctor Shu, for echoing that, and thank you for taking part in mentally sound once again. And oh, and uh, would love to have you again at some point. And hopefully, as we as we head steadfast towards winter, that you know you guys are we'll manage all right. And um, again, if you need anything, echoing or, or or help, just don't hesitate to get in touch, and we'll happily, you know, put the message out there about you know, um, as I say, pulling resources because. You're right. It, it, this is a case where we all kind of pull together, and I think uh, certainly that that will be the case. I think in the next um, few weeks and months. So, um, but thank you for being a large part of that, and uh, particularly within the West End. Um, uh, all that's left of me to say is uh, thank you, Doctor Stewart, and um, you know, take care of yourselves, and see you next time. Thanks, Ricky.
3: Take Cheers. care of yourself too. You yourself. Cheers. Thank Bye you. Then.
0: Bye.